Welcome to Totalus Rankium. This week, Galva. Hello and welcome to Roman Empress Totalus Rankium Podcast. This is Jamie and we are on episode number seven. Episode seven of 80... Lots, lots and lots. 80-something. Yes, we are doing Galba this week. Galba, yeah. Galba. So he was this old guy, wasn't he? He was sort of, he was a bit, from what we learned last week, after Nero, a bit hesitant. You see, he appeared hesitant anyway, because they wanted him to become the emperor. Yes, well remembered from last week. Yeah, I didn't even I'm look at my impressed. notes. Did you I, not? No, I listened to the last podcast. Oh, fairly right. recently. Okay. I listened enough. to it, Rob. Yeah, I you're can. learning. You're learning. Learning. Yes, this is the start of what is called the year of the four emperors. Ooh, that sounds... I'm guessing it doesn't last very long then. <laughs> There's four of them in a year. Yeah, it, um, tempo completo is not going to be good for a while. That's, that's all right. No, it's not. Right. But uh, maybe they'll do well in other rounds. Right, Tacitus um, wrote... The history is all about this year. This is a series of texts he wrote all about the year of the four emperors. Right. So I'm going to let him sum it up to okay. begin with. Okay. I'm entering on the history of a period rich in disasters, <gasps> frightful in its wars, torn by civil strife, and even in peace full of horrors. Four emperors perished by the sword. There were three civil wars. There were more with foreign enemies. There were often wars that had both characters at once. Slaves were bribed to turn against their masters, and freedmen to betray their patrons, and those who had not an enemy were destroyed by friends. Now, my comprehension skills aren't that good, but that sounds like a really nice, peaceful, calm year. Yeah, yeah, well, Not much happens. No, not much happens at all. Pretty static. Yeah, it's... <sighs> lot, lots of stuff goes on. Good. Now, I had a decision to make how to approach the Year of the Four Emperors, because there's different things going on at the same time in different places. Yeah. How I've come across the story usually is chronologically. Yeah. So you find out who's doing what in order of time. Yeah. That makes sense, doesn't it? Well, but yeah. we're doing it by Emperor, so what I've decided to do... Are there overlaps, then? Yes, the next few episodes are going to overlap quite a lot, and okay. I'm going to try and do each episode from that Emperor's point of view. Okay. So when we come to the next episode, we'll go back to the start of the year and before, and we'll do it from the other person. It's like Groundhog Day. It's just like Groundhog Day. It's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> right, so... Anyway, move on. Um, I'm going to go through in the order that they became Emperor. Okay. And we start with Galba. Galba. Right, but before we jump into Galba, okay. let's just point out that the Julii Claudians are no more. That's because Nero didn't have an heir, did he? No, he didn't. And people knew this was going this was going to happen, okay? Because there were a row of trees in Vi. Of course. Yeah, and they were planted there in Augustus's time by Livia, Augustus's wife. And each time there was a triumph by an emperor, a new tree was planted for that emperor. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it was observed that before each emperor died, that that tree belonging to the emperor withered away. I don't believe that. Well, it, it's true. It's, I think it's apocryphal. No, definitely yeah. happened. And in the last years of Nero, what do you think happened to the trees? It committed suicide. Well, I tried to commit suicide four times, <laughs> and eventually had to <laughs> stab itself in the in the branch. Yeah, in the trunk. Got a nearby bush to do the dirty deed. <laughs> <laughs> really angry squirrel. <laughs> well, no. Apparently, all the trees in the grove died. Oh, so that's this quite was an indication that the Julii Claudians were no more. 
Right. So there you go. Okay. I right. believe that. That's a, a little tree story for you Aww. at the start. Right, now we're going to Galba. <laughs> he was born on the 24th of December, so Christmas Eve, as they called it back then, <laughs> um, in 3 BCE. Oh, we're going back before... We are back before... The Common Era. Yeah, so it's even more crazy that they were celebrating Christmas. He's really old then. He's he very must old. Have been, was he in his 50s by the time we left him? Um, older, older. We'll okay. find out. Yes, yeah, so Galba has been around... For every emperor we've talked about so far. Whoa. He is the last emperor to have been born in the BCE period. So, so you'd have been just a child when Augustus was around then? He was just a child, yes. Um, but he was definitely around and he was old enough. He was wow. being 17 when Augustus died. So he was old enough to remember him. Yeah, because yeah. Augustus was reigning for 20 odd years, wasn't he? 40. Oh, 40, that was it? Yes, yes. Wow. Loads. And then three, yeah, Rush. gosh. So anyway, he was born, as I said, in 3 BCE in a town, and Suetonius clears this up. He doesn't leave it vague and ambiguous. No. He says, in a town on the left as you go towards Fundy. Okay. So yeah. if we find out where Fundy is and right. look left... We'll see it. We'll see it, yeah. Um, he was called Servius Sulpicius Galba. The Galbas were an ancient and noble family. Okay. Uh, we don't really know where Galba came from, the cognomen. What's that? That is the that's the third nickname name that the Romans gave themselves, because Romans have three names. That third one was more of a nickname. Oh, like uh, Caesar would, or like Nero was, and Caligula, no. What? The third name, like Caesar, like you just said. Yeah, Caesar yeah. meant um, hairy, basically. Really? Yeah, yeah, f- full of hair. Judius hair. Yeah, Hennebarbus, as I mentioned the oh, other yes. day, that was red redhead. Head. Yeah, uh, Cicero means chickpea. What? Yeah, it's all a bit weird. Can, can I call you Olive? Well, you can if you want. <laughs> Robert Olive. Yeah, Robert Boyle Olive. I like that. Yeah, that's nice. Any reason for Olive? They seem to be named after weird things. I'm oh, fruit. okay, fair enough. Fruit, weird fruit. Fair enough. Continue. Is it a fruit? The seeds on the inside. Yeah, of course yeah. it's a fruit. Yeah. So it's a fruit. Yeah. 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 Anyway. A factoid for you. Yeah, there we go. Right. Oh, yeah, so we didn't really know why he was called Galba, but there was a few theories put forward. It could be that an ancestor set fire to a city using gum called Galbanum. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It might be that they were quite overweight as a family. <laughs> Because there was a um, Gaulish, Gaulish word? Let's yeah. call it Gaulish. Um, word, <laughs> Galba, meaning fat. Or it could right. be that they were really thin because you got insects called Galbe. Okay. That were really thin. So it could be anything. What I'm basically saying is we've got no idea. But there are a list of theories okay. that, that some of the sources gave. So I thought I'd throw them in. We'll have it's... to read uh, LJ Tra- uh, Trafford's book. Galba's men, they might have his theory in there as well. Yes. It's coming out soon. It is. Contact with him on Twitter. Yes, yes. that book looks interesting. Unfortunately, I couldn't use it for my research. No. Damn no. you. <laughs> we got there too soon. <laughs> Never mind. Right, okay. His father. Let's focus on him for a moment. He was a hunchback lawyer. Wow. Yes. In a world that did not care for hunchback lawyers. Or lawyers in general. Um, they were quite keen on their lawyers, the Romans. Um, he made it to consul, um, right. and Augustus was known to mock him sometimes for his hunchback. The Romans Aww. weren't very PC about these kind of things. No, they're, no, they're no. pretty slating, aren't they? Yeah. So, Galba the hunchback married Mummia Archaea. Well, let's just call her Mummy. 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 Yeah, I would Mummy. Mummy. True Nero style. Um, they had two sons, Gaius and Servius. Servius being the Galba we're focusing on today. Yeah. The mother then died, 
So oh. Galbert's mum dies. That's another early death, yet, is it, for someone's family? Yeah, yet another early parent death. It's, it happens a lot back then. Galbert the Hunchback then remarried to a very wealthy and very beautiful woman. Why? Because... And why would she want to marry him? Power, consul. Yes. Political. He had the noble family name and the power. Yeah. She had the wealth and the beauty. Fair enough. Either yeah. that or they were just part of a Disney film. <laughs> we're not sure. I was going to put married hottie. Yes. Um, that is the theory. She was in it for the name. Yeah. But there is um, another story I came across, and it doesn't suggest this is why she married him. But no. This is my own personal theory. It says that he, before they married, stripped completely for her. So she, there were no shocks for her after they got married. And it was then oh. said that she was even more keen to get married after that. Oh, is she, did she have, like, one of the... You know, people sometimes have fetishes for people that are slightly, you know... Uh, uh, no, I didn't think that. I just thought maybe Galbert had certain properties that uh, left him well disposed to the female sex. Oh, so certain advantages. Yes, advantages. A I, large advantage. I think he had a very large advantage. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe his son did as well. Maybe he can get some points in uh, successes. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. So anyway, Galba, the, not the hunchback, the actual Galba we're looking at today, yes. um, was very well respected as a child and a young man. Um, Tacitus claims that both Augustus and Tiberius predicted great things from him. That's good. So Augustus said, Thou too, child, wilt have a nibble at this power of mine. As you're saying, you're going to get some power at some point. Don't know what it will be. Yeah, it's either that or it's a euphemism for something quite horrible. <laughs> the word nibble's never good, is it? <laughs> no. um, Tiberius, this is quite a bit later on, in his old age heard that Galba was destined to do great things and even rule the empire one day. Really? Wow. So this is Tiberius thinking, oh, oh, that's true. That's not a good thing. But apparently Tiberius said, well, let him live then, since it does not concern me. Uh, yes, probably thought too young. Or yeah, yeah. I'm old, too young, I'm old, who cares anymore? I'm busy living in my house with all these young children running around. Yeah. <sighs> so around this time, he seemed to strike up a, an unlikely friendship with Livia. Augustus's wife. Ah, yes. Yes, not. She the one that had the affair with Sejanus. No, no, that's um, that's Tiberius's son. Aww. This is Augustus's wife. Yeah, oh my yeah, God. yeah. Um, now, it does not suggest anywhere that they got to know each other quite well. No. But apparently they were quite friendly, Livia. This is post Augustus. Okay. So Augustus dies. Livia's still around, friendly with young Galba, and yeah. leaves Galba lots of money. That's nice. In her will. In fact, 50 million sesterces. That's a lot of money. Even now, that'd be a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but when Tiberius became emperor, he cut Galba out the will and just he got nothing. So Galba gets nothing. Oh, Season oh. Of Tiberius just takes it. No. Yeah. So he then tries to progress in politics. He does very well. In 20, he becomes a praetor, which is oh. a low government position, but it, it's on the wrong. And yeah. it's an early age to do it. Around this time, he gets married. Oh, yeah. To Amelia Lepida and has two sons himself, also called Gaius and Servius. Um, <laughs> now, all of these died at some point, the wife oh. and the children. Now, I did try and put this in chronologically, like I usually do, so we know yeah. exactly when it happens, but the sources were so conflicting. I read somewhere that we don't know what children he had, even if mm. he had children. Suetonius names the children he had, but doesn't say when they die. I no. mean, yeah. Wikipedia seemed the clearest, but oh. I just didn't trust it. Why would you? <laughs> no, so, 
Yeah. Um, so we, I don't know when they died. If but they know. died at some point. They died. Um, not necessarily hugely young, but Galva lasts a long time. So, oh. just at some point during the course of the biography, just just imagine his sons dying every now and again. Oh. If they were okay. indeed sons. Let's take out one now. Okay, one Gaius dies. Gaius is gone. Gaius went. Okay. Right. Poor Gaius. He's gone. We'll kill off the wife at some point. Yeah, okay. Keep going. Okay. Right, in 33, he becomes consul. Also head of the the Yeah, yeah. So he's doing really well. At some point around here, his brother commits suicide. Uh. We do know about this one. Apparently, his brother was a bit of a a card. uh, (laughs) Yeah, he he didn't take things too seriously, and he ended up in lots of debt, and Tiberius um, stops his political advancement. So in the end, Gaius gives up and commits suicide. So it's now just Servius Galba left. So brother's yeah. dead, and son's dead, one of them we've just decided. Yeah. And this is where his wife starts being ill. Oh, right. Believe. Is that when this Wife's happens? ill now. Okay, yeah. wife's ill. We'll say that. Okay. Okay. It's a long, lingering illness. So. Okay. <laughs> so, after this, he went to several provinces and started to create a name for himself for strictness, military capabilities, and impartialness of judgment. Ah, so so he's, he's got that sort of almost dictatoriness about him, but a sort of martial... Yeah, yeah. He, he takes no nonsense. He doesn't suffer fools. Oh, okay. In... Oh, just like uh, Galba's wife just happened. Oh. As Galba's wife died. Just now. died, yeah. Okay. That's sad. Fair enough. Right. In 39-40, when Caligula raised troops and went to Germany. Oh, yes. Remember that? He raised this huge, maybe impressive army. Yeah. Went to Germany and then fought <laughs> all of the Germans. And... Yeah. Oh, that's where he went to the camp and dressed his own troops up. Yes, that's it. That's well, it. Well, Galba's there then. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. Galba's is brilliant. He like keeps popping up in all all the other emperors' lives all the way through. So we've already had him talking to Augustus and Tiberius, and in Caligula's reign, he goes up to Germany. Was he one of the ones that dressed up? There's nothing to suggest that, and I don't think he'd approve of that kind of thing. No. He seems very straight-laced. I feel like he's clever enough not to say anything, but some of the yes. side just just not quite frowning, just a very stony. No expression, but inside raging. Yeah, I'm, I'm not upset, Caligula. I'm just no, disappointed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. Oh, that's sad. Oh, yeah. yeah, so he was there. Um, Caligula leaves him in charge of the Rhine legions. Okay. To try and sort them out. Remember, Caligula thought that they were all laughing at him behind his back. Which they were. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he leaves Galba behind to look after them. And Galba, in Caligula's eyes, does a very, very good job. He hardened oh. soldiers, both veteran and raw, with constant hard work and exercise. That's good. That's going to start making Galba a lot happier, which is a shame because his other son has just died. Oh, has he? Okay, He's got so a message. That's both sons and wife gone now, yeah? Yeah. Okay, oh. that's sad. Right, so he's not someone that you'd necessarily want to work for, but he gets results, does Galba. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the troops really don't don't like it <laughs> too much because they they're used to rule being ruled by people who just don't care that much. Or say go and fight the shells. Yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden <laughs> someone's come along and actually getting them to do stuff that they should be doing. Yeah. Okay, so then Caligula dies and his friends suggest that he becomes the emperor. So this is a time where Claudius is just becoming... Yeah, this is where everyone... Remember all the senators sat around saying, I should be emperor, I should be emperor. Some people suggest Galba should be emperor. He's doing a good job up at the mm. Rhine Legions. Yeah. So he's one of the names put forward at that time. Galba says, no, I'm not going to do this. I said that before. Well, said that in the future. Yeah, he does. I'm predicting. Yeah. So he doesn't He doesn't say he should be emperor. He's serving the, the emperor's 
loyally. Claudius loves this. And yes. he becomes good friends with Claudius. He probably needs a strong friend, doesn't he? He does need a strong friend. So um, Claudius very grateful for Galba ruling over the Rhine legions, doing a good job there. And in fact, when Claudius went on his two-week holiday to Britain oh, yeah. with his 16 elephants, um, he delayed it because Galba was ill. Oh. And he wanted to go with Galba. So he waited until nice. Galba got better, and then he went over with his 16 elephants and Galba. So when we said that he was on that boat with 16 elephants, yeah. Galba was on there as well. I imagine Galba now has the expression of, why are you on a boat with 16 elephants? <laughs> Again, stony face, not saying anything. <laughs> Just... Yeah. Claudius trying to get the elephants in line, yeah. failing miserable, and Galba just, oh. you lot, line up over there, and all the elephants shuffle over. <laughs> Sorry, sir. <laughs> da, yeah. da, 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 da. Actually, there's a story about him and elephants later on. This is not the last elephant Brilliant. link. I'll come back to that. Around this time, Agrippina wanted to marry Galba. This is Claude Nero's mum, yeah. Claudius's wife. Yes, Ooh. Claudius's niece. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See what I mean by Galba popping up in all the stories? He keeps yeah. coming along. It's like doing a recap of the Julia Claudians. Yeah. So um, Agrippina wants to marry Galba. Mm. Um, Galba's not having anything of this. His wife's just died. Well, yeah, after a long yeah. illness. After yeah. that long, horrible illness. So he, he doesn't want anything to do with it. No. Galba's mother-in-law <laughs> apparently slapped Agrippina in public due to her being too forceful in her pursuit of Galba. Now, knowing Agrippina... She probably had her killed, right? I didn't see that anywhere, but I had exactly the same thoughts. It's like, if there was one person I wouldn't be slapping, well, it would be Caligula, but after that, <laughs> it would possibly be Agrippina. Wow. Yeah. But, so, yeah, this does mean that Galba and Agrippina don't get on too well. No. No. So Galba and Aggie, not friends. No, not anymore. Right, he was then put in charge of Africa. All of it? <laughs> well, yeah, because back then the province of Africa was just the bit they knew about, but not Egypt or the far bit. So it was just a, a province okay. in North Africa, roughly where Tunisia and Libya is today. Yeah, so Tunisia, yeah, okay. Yeah. So that, that was Africa. So he's now in charge of that. Claudius wanted him to sort out all the trouble in the area. It was starting to get a bit unruly over there. He needed a strong hand, so... It's quite big, isn't it? Yeah, off he goes, and he sorts it out. Just sorts it. He's a bit like... Um... A gripper, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, but just doesn't More. seem as friendly. Is is this going to um, is this kind of implying that he's a bit of a oh, emperor? I, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I don't know. I just get the sense from all this. He's just if pinstripe had been invented, he'd just be wearing a pinstripe suit, pencil moustache. He'd be an accountant if he was around oh, nowadays. Yeah, that's too logical, cold logical. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's just, get this done. That's a bit like Tiberius, though. He was like that, wasn't he? He had his yeah, spreadsheets. he did have his spreadsheets. Maybe it is a bit like that. Maybe that's why I liked him. Okay, so for these achievements in Germany and Africa, generally sorting everything out, he was awarded triumphal regalia. Oh. Yeah, you, you weren't allowed to triumph at this point in Roman history unless you were the emperor. But what they did do for special people who they thought deserved it, they could just wear the stuff that you wore in the Triumph in public but occasions. But really have it. Yeah, you don't have the Triumph, but you get the T-shirt saying, I have triumphed. That's nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> he won that. That's good. That's good. Claudius then dies in 54. Oh. And Galba goes into retirement. He's 57 by this point. He's lived a long and eventful life. So, time to retire. Now, in 61, however... Nero calls him out of retirement. This is after Agrippina's died, so he's now more likely to join in. Agrippina's not got the power yeah. anymore. 
and he sent off to rule Hispania Terraconesis. Hispania Terraconesis? Is that near Spain? That is modern-day Spain, apart from the bottom bit and the left bit. The bottom left of Spain? Yeah. So it's the, no, okay. the top right of Spain. Oh, top right. Yeah. Okay. Top right of Spain. <laughs> um, so he's there, and he rules that province in, and I quote, a variable and inconsistent manner. That doesn't sound like him. No, it doesn't, but he's getting old now. That's true. It is. He seems to start his usual self, but then he becomes quite idle. Now, there are some theories that this is fear of Nero. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is after the Piso conspiracy. Yes. And the treason trials are started back, yes. back up. Nero's starting to kill all sorts of people he sees as a yeah. threat. Don't ruffle any feathers. <laughs> yeah, so Galba says um, the reason why he's not doing as much is because no one could be forced to render an account for doing nothing. Yeah, now that that's showing some, yeah. some smarts there. It's, well, it's like true. Nero's killing people off for doing all sorts of things. Well, yeah. If I just sit here completely still, he won't see me. It's a bit like what are those animals that can only see movement? T Rexes. T Rexes. That's a, like it's a, a bit like a T Rex. That's yeah. Nero. You just stay really still. Oh, he's the prey. He's, too, yeah. he's the he's like the the sheep. Yeah, he is the sheep. He's so. Professor Allen from Jurassic Park. Yeah, so he stays really still and hopes Nero doesn't yeah. spot him. And Nero's just roaring around and eating That guy on the toilet. Yes. Yes. Oh, Nero. (laughs) Bad emperor. (laughs) He was a bad emperor. Right, so that is his life pre-emperor, although he's technically not emperor yet, but let's learn how he became the emperor. He seems quite an unlikely candidate for emperor at this point, doesn't he? I guess so. In my head, the Senate would choose him because he's so coldly logical, so it's like, yeah, he'll do. Yeah, he does seem to be doing everything well, but he also seems to be winding down. Yeah. He's got this easy-to-run province. Mm. He's not doing so much. Right, now, I alluded to some of this last week, but let's now look at it from Galba's point of view. We do need to know some people, though. So here are the cast. We have Galba, an old man past his prime. Then we've got Vinius. Now, these next three are the people who helped Galba out. Right. They were called his pedagogues because they told him everything that was going on. Had that chart with a young? Very young, though. No, it was a, it was a nickname. All right. It's like, oh, that you're like a teacher. Oh. You're teaching him things. Oh, they nice. weren't liked at all, these three. No, all right. <laughs> I have a quote from Tacitus and Suetonius for the first two. We'll see how much they liked them. So Vinius was, according to Suetonius, a man of unbounded covetousness. Ness. So he wanted things. Yes, he, he wanted things. He thinks that's mine. So that was Saturnius, clearly not impressed. Mm. Um, and Tacitus said he was the most worthless of mankind. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, so that's Vinius. Then there was Laco or Laco. He was, according to Saturnius, intolerably haughty and indolent. Oh, he sounds like Niles from Frasier. Mm. Haughty. And Tacitus said he was the most spiritless of mankind. So a bit boring. Yeah, he's not good. And then there was Isilus. Now, Tacitus and Suetonus don't give him a description, apart from to say he was Galba's freedman. That's all that needs to be said, really. He used to be a slave. Okay. Yeah. So you've got these three men. They're all scheming to get power off Galba. They're working with each other, but they're also working against each other. (laughs) <laughs> it's sort of like, let's all work together so we can get power, but I'll win. Yes, as, as soon as one of their backs are turned, the other two will stab something in their back. Or like a banana. Yeah, could be anything. Um, but yeah, they, they don't let anyone else near Galba. 
So the, yeah, so it's overly protective. Yeah, he's our friend. He's you know, we're cool with him. With him, my power. Yeah, but like that. Mm. Right. So if you remember from last week, Vindex in Gaul called for a rebellion and sent word to Galba to lead the revolt. Yes. Galba at this point says nothing. He does not tell Nero of Vindex's treachery. He yeah. doesn't reply to Vindex either. Just ignores us. Did he get the message? Um, yes, he got the message. He definitely read it. Or maybe not. Maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe <laughs> he just did not what? get the message. Oh, Emperor? Oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love the Emperor. I always wanted yeah, that. Do that. Why didn't you say something? No. Damn you, Vinius. As I suggested last week, there is some indication that maybe he knew all along. And yeah. this is just him saying, oh, well, I didn't want to do it. But... <laughs> The sources say he didn't do anything, so let's stick to that story yeah, to begin with. So, in the spring of 68, Garba hears that Nero has declared him a public enemy. That's... And, and that's what... That was a catalyst, isn't it? So, yes. okay, well, fine. Yeah. I'm so, going for it. Garba's just sitting out, waiting to see what happens, and then all of a sudden he hears he's a public enemy. So that kind of makes up his mind. So yeah. he starts to send word out that all should rise up and revolt, and he would lead. Then, and I'm going to quote here, a ship from Alexandria, loaded with arms, arrived at Detosia, without a pilot, without a single sailor or passenger, removing all doubt in anyone's mind that the war was just and holy, and undertaken with the approval of the gods. Ooh, that's dramatic. It is dramatic. So a ship with no one on it just turns up full of swords from nowhere. No one asked for it. No one requested it. Honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's just they woke up one morning and went, oh, look, we've got all the swords we wow, need for Wow, where did they come from? Oh, and there's not even a pilot. Oh. Pilot captain. Yeah. There's not one of them. Yeah, hide the body. <laughs> just drop it in the water. Yeah. Uh, not everything is good in this first stages of the revolt, though. Some soldiers almost rebelled. Um, Ooh but were persuaded not to. There was a section of the cavalry said, oh, we're not sure about this, but one of um, the pedagogues managed to talk them round. So yeah. they had their uses. A group of slaves were overheard in the corridor at one point, and one of them was saying something along the lines of, we can't miss the opportunity. <laughs> so instantly the slaves were tortured. Yeah. Because that sounds suspicious, doesn't it? it yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, Kill him. Yeah, so they were tortured until eventually they revealed they were sent there by Nero to assassinate Galba. Ah. Yes. So they were on something then. Possibly. So suspicious. Or maybe they were oh. just saying, we can't miss the opportunity, the sun's shining, let's go out for a pleasant stroll, and then they were tortured until they said anything That's that they true. thought they wanted to hear. Torture is notoriously unreliable. It's, it's not great. So You'd admit to anything, wouldn't you? You would. So, But apparently <laughs> there was a plot by Nero, but yeah. who knows? Put out the nails. I am an avocado. I am an avocado. <laughs> We knew it! I wish I was, they don't have nails. <laughs> then news comes through that Vindex has been defeated. Ooh. You remember Virginius went up undefeated. Yes. Yes. Now Galbert at this point becomes very despondent. There are plots against his life, some of his troops are rebelling, and um, Vindex, who started the rebellion, is dead. So he starts to think about suicide. Ooh. Yes. That's, that's a bit sad because he's, he's kind of throwing all the caution to win as like fine out of retirement i'll do this oh man it's going really badly maybe i need to end it right here right now yeah see i'd like to think he'd literally picked up his sword he was about to fall on it when someone burst into the tent and went galba nymphidius has declared for you now do you remember <laughs> nymphidius from last week i remember the name 
Yes, no, I said, oh, he's not really in this story. He comes into yes. a bit more next week. He's the head of the Praetorian Guard at the moment. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he declared for Galba, which means the Praetorian Guard declared for Galba, which is why Nero killed himself. And yes. Gave up. So he was the catalyst in Rome. Yeah. So all the oh, wow. rebellions going out on outside, but yeah. the reason why Rome turns is mainly because Nymphidius decided wow. to go, um, turn as well. And I guess when you got the Praetorian Guard, that's you're you're cemented because they're yes. the emperor's Ex- guardians, aren't they? Exactly. So just after that, someone else bursts into the tent and says, "Nero's dead." So he puts the sword down and goes, like, oh, I wasn't going to kill myself. Yeah, just looking at the blade. Yeah. And then someone else bursts in and says, the Senate's declared you emperor. So. That's pretty good. That's a good day. That's a good day. Not bad. Three mess- three pretty cheery messages in the space of like two minutes. That's yeah, pretty good. When you're about to kill yourself. Yeah. yeah. We're behind you. Nero's dead. You're the emperor. Brilliant. Job done. There it's we go. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Well, I, we obviously don't know if it happened like this. No. It's a short succession, but um, that's well, I think it did. Uh, yeah, let's say Monty it. Python style. Okay. So Galba heads to Rome. Not hugely quickly. It takes him a while because he is a very. Um, Slow, old. No. Fat. <laughs> he, he wants to make sure everything's done properly. Uh, or conscientious. Yes, that's it. And he doesn't want to just leave Spain. That's good. Um, because he's still in the middle of ruling it. So he sorts everything mm. out in Spain. And then he slowly starts to go through Gaul, making sure everyone's on his side there. That. And he heads to Rome. Because Galbert is taking his time getting to Rome, Nymphidius starts to get ideas. He wants power. He does want power. He starts thinking, hang on, I've just created an emperor here. Why didn't I create myself to be the emperor? So he starts spreading the word that he's actually Caligula's son. Ooh. Yeah. Cal's son. Ooh. But he wasn't liked, though, was he? Um, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, you, but I think that was the only choice. I think people would have realised he's not Claudius' son, and he definitely isn't Nero's son. Yeah. When so. you haven't got a rock, and you're really bad at singing and playing an instrument. Yeah, so it's clearly not... But you are slightly mad, so maybe. Yeah. To try and um, also cement the idea that he was linked to the royal family, he marries Sporus. Sporus. Do you remember Sporus from last week? That name sounds really, really familiar. Ah, uh, no, oh, no. Sporus is the um, young man who Nero castrated oh, and then yes. married and claimed was his wife. So Nymphidius has now married Sporus. Yes. As well. Yeah. Okay. Nymphidius then is killed by the Praetorians. Ah. Oh. Didn't work too well for Nymphidius. They w- clearly they just happy? they took one look at him and went, "Really, we've just got rid of someone like this." Yeah. Look, we've had enough of the crazy people. Just stop now. Yeah, let's just have logical, clean thinking. Kill him. So Nymphidius is dead. Ah, oh, dead. Yeah. So could have been the five emperors. He didn't make it. <laughs> so eventually, Galba gets to Italy. Ah, brilliant. So Starts he's... heading south to Rome, and is interrupted by a group of soldiers. Mm. I say soldiers, they are only recently soldiers. So they're kind of young and experienced. Not that, they used to be, and this is a dirty word to the Romans, part of the navy. (gasps) Yes. We don't hear much of the Roman navy because the Romans weren't interested in having one. They had a few people. A few boats. Yeah. Fishing boat. So the navy wasn't considered a good thing. No. It was a necessary thing sometimes. So those um, sailors just have no prestige whatsoever. No. But Nero needed soldiers towards the end. He started to panic, so he suddenly promoted <laughs> lots of... Um, ah, what are they called? 
sailors. I've just said it. He suddenly <laughs> he suddenly promoted lots of sailors and said, "You can now be a real legion, ah. on full legion pay," and yeah. they were all happy. They um, would be. Yeah, and then the next thing they realise is Nero's dead. So ah. they hear the new emperor's coming. So they all go up to meet him and say, "By the way, we're not sailors anymore. We're yeah, soldiers." Nero said we're soldiers, so that's fine, isn't it? Yeah. We're just checking. Is that okay? Just ignore the anchor tattoos and the, <laughs> the harpoon we've got. We don't have swords yet. Yeah. So I say, yeah, is, is, it, is it fine that we're still soldiers then? Just just let you know, we were promoted. And Galba, being Galba, said no. Well, he's used to the whole, you know, the army walking, marching, isn't he? Isn't... Yeah. He led that for a long time. He does not want soldiers that come and ask him things. Soldiers need to stand silently doing nothing until he orders them to kill them. He did not yeah. like the look of these people coming up and <clears throat> asking him things. Yeah. So um, tempers yeah. started to fray and some people actually went for their swords at one point. Really? Ooh. Yes. So Galba, thinking I'm a brand new emperor, I need to get the army on side. I need to get the people on side. What's the sensible thing to do? Pay them off. No, but he, he doesn't do that. Really? Instead, he decimates them. Oh, okay. Now Splits them into ten parts. Yes, each one of them cuts a tenth off each soldier. Oh. Yeah. Now, I've not talked about decimation here. I don't know how much you know what decimation actually was in Roman times. I'm guessing, well, you obviously know what the word decimation is, but do you know how it happened? Well, no. No. Okay. <laughs> um, it's probably what you think it is. It's, um, it's made the army smaller, smaller squadrons. They would draw lots. Yeah. And every tenth person was... Caught, uh, drawn out. Oh. So you then had 10% of your army. The other 90% then were given bats and were forced to beat the 10% to death. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty brutal. That is brutal. Because you could be the one, put, you know, the nice one that's really like a really good soldier. Mm. And you just killed a good soldier. But it's a big message, though, isn't it? It's a very big message. And the thing is, Decimation Army, this wasn't new. It hadn't been done for a long time, though. But what generally had happened was the generals had become a bit smarter, a bit wiser with it. So Caesar, when Julius Caesar, the famous one, yeah, um, when some armies started to revolt against him towards the end, it was his favourite legion, he was very disappointed in them. Yeah. So he said, I'm going to decimate you to make an example of you. Yeah. But then he said, oh, actually, I'm only going to decimate the leaders of the revolt. And then... He um, ripped the lots to actually only kill the big ringers. <laughs> so yeah. although he could then say, I decimated them, powerful message, actually all he did is he rounded up the ringleaders that he knew yeah. he needed to go and killed those off. That's clever, though. Yeah, clever. A That's pitiful... generally what people did towards the latter days yeah. of decimation. But he didn't do that, Galba, did he? Galba's a stickler for the rules. <laughs> so he did a genuine decimation. Oh. He just killed off 10% of these sailors slash soldiers. Wow. Yes. So Tacitus then says about Galba, The strictness once so commended and celebrated in the praise of the army was galling to the troops who rebelled against the old discipline and who had become accustomed by 14 years' service under Nero to love the vices of their emperors as much as they had once respected their virtues. So he's basically saying the army aren't very happy at all. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what he says. But Galba at this point, <clears throat> when someone comes up, maybe one of his pedagogues says, Galba, I really don't think this is a good idea. Mm -hmm replied, I choose my soldiers. I do not buy them. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So he, 
and that's good because he's, he's doing it based on skill, I guess. It's like, that's mm. a good story. You're now a soldier rather than, please don't kill me. Yeah, you get the sense that if if this was a different time, Gabor would have been doing really well. He was mm. getting away from all the ridiculousness that was going on under Caligula and Nero and to a certain sense Claudius and Tiberius and he's going back to, no, let's do this properly. Yeah, let's get rid of the pomp and circumstance. Yeah, unfortunately, as much as it is terrible that you have to pay off the Praetorian Guard and the, all the armies <laughs> when you become the Emperor... There's a reason they did it. Yeah. <laughs> and Gal was saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to play by the rules. So <laughs> Galba then hears that Nymphidius had made all sorts of promises on his behalf to the Praetorian Guard. Now, remember, Nymphidius is dead by this point. Yeah. But the Praetorian Guard, when he gets to Rome, says, ah, brilliant, Galba, you're here. Now you can give us all this stuff that Nymphidius yeah. promised that you'd give us. Where's my pet cow? Yeah, that's probably what one of them asked for. Galba hears that they were promised something. And because he's a stickler to the rules, yeah. decides to do what? Kill them. No, he doesn't kill them. Decimate them. Doesn't do that. He just says, no, I'm not paying you oh, anything. Oh, okay. I didn't. It probably would have been better if he killed or decimated them. He just said, no. No. You, you're not getting any money off me. To the Praetorian Guard. The ones that protect him and surrounded him with the sharp pointy knives. Yes. All day, every day, 24-7. They would be the ones. Those ones. Okay. Yeah. Are you I, starting to see why this is the year of the four emperors? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think I'm getting an indication where this story's going as well. Right, okay. He then makes Vinius the co-consul with himself. So he's the emperor oh. and then the consul, and Vinius is the That's what Nero did near the end, didn't he? Made yes, the consul. he did. He made Laco, or Laco, the head of the Praetorian Guard. So you've now got um, two people that no one likes... Um, Consul and the Praetorian Guard. Oh dear. He knew that the legions in Germany were restless. Mm. So what he did is he found someone completely inept yeah. to rule them. Oh, why? Uh, there, there's a logic behind this. If he sends a strong person up there to Power. an army that is already willing to do some revolting, mm. that person could use the army to revolt. Yeah. So what he did is he sent someone called Petellius up there. Um, he had no experience of doing anything. He liked eating and drinking. Yeah. So he went up there. You don't really need to worry much more about him, but he does come back into the story later on. So just know that he's gone up there. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, he then attempts to restore the financial situation. This is the big problem. Nero spent all the money. So this is this is what Galba does well. He organises. Yeah. Discipline in the army and he organises the provinces. So he's going to do that with Rome. He comes up with some brilliant ways to save some money. Do you want to hazard a guess at any? Okay, is he going to create taxes? Water tax? Yes, that is number two on my list. Brilliant! Massive taxes on (laughs) all areas that were slow to support him. So if you don't pay me up quickly, I'll tax you even more. Yeah, so all those people that weren't too keen on him to begin with being in the emperor, well, we he's now like him. taxing him more. Robe tax on the, um, the, the the Senate. Oh, that would have been a good one. Sandal tax. Yeah, that could have worked. Olive. Marble. 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 Oh, yeah, olive tax. Road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Columns. Paint for the statues. Yes, because we know that now. Yes. Yeah. Right, so all those kind of taxes. <laughs> um, go on, then. Guess any more. Uh, it's to save money. Do you... Oh, did he get rid of like the entertainment? Brilliant, that's number three. Well yes. done. Yes. All games and celebrations cancelled. Now he doesn't like the kind of person to do that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> he just uh, whether this was a conscious money saving thing or whether it was just he just doesn't do that kind of thing. Oh, he doesn't pay the army, does he? Spaces work for free. <laughs> Not quite, but number one, you're doing oh. well. Number one, and we've already talked about it. No 
bribes or bonuses to the Praetorian Guards or the army. Which is just traditional at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Okay, so that just needs number four. I doubt you'll get this one, but I'm very impressed you got the first three. Oh, thank you. Thank so you. his fourth idea is possibly the worst. He decides to get back all of the stuff that Nero sold off. Get it back? Yeah. Forcefully, just saying, this is now mine. So he gets off um, all, all of the things that Nero gave away, and also he, Nero gave away a lot of grants, so just gave people he liked money. He gave actors and athletes lots of cash. Imagine walking into just a little shop with a guy there saying, Oh, hello, <gasps> Emperor, Emperor, hello. You owe me money. Mm. Uh, uh, sir, I've never met you before. Here is the bill. <laughs> yeah, it was just like that. It was. Um, if you don't pay me, I'll tax you even more. <laughs> they went to all these actors and athletes and um, people and said, Give me all the money, you can keep 10%. Um, so what happened, however, was all these athletes and actors, etc., went... We spent it. Nero gave us cash, we spent it. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. I'm not an investing type. Does so, invest- Galba then says, oh, okay then, well, whatever you spent or sold off, because it wasn't just money, Yeah. whoever you gave it to, we're good off them. This sounds like just catch the catch the chicken now, isn't it? Yeah, so he doesn't, doesn't matter if you innocently had gone um, bought a, a chicken, probably wasn't a chicken, but let's say it's a chicken. Yeah. Um, from someone. If that person you bought it off happened to have got the chicken in the first place from Nero, you then had to give that back. The chicken? The chicken. Or the statue, or the gold, or the necklace, or whatever it was, or or the the property. So you had to give. You were completely innocent in this, and all of a sudden you're told that you have to give things to the emperor. That's not my fault. Yeah, well, not their fault. This was seen as hugely unfair, because it was hugely unfair. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that didn't make people too happy either. Right. The people were also not happy at this point, because Tigger, you remember Tigger from last (gasps) week? The one with the bouncy tail. Yes, he was um, a Praetorian guard. As, uh, sorry, a, a Praetorian prefect as well. There were two at this time. He was not treated very harshly. He was seen as one of the worst things under Nero because he liked to party and he abused his power. Yes. Um, so people were expecting straight lace Galba. At least let's, let's see the positives here. At least he'll come down harshly on those people who messed about under Nero. But Galba didn't really punish him at all. He forced him to quit the job of being in charge of the Praetorians, but yeah. apart from that, that was it. And it was clearly because Tigger was bribing Vinius. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, Galba would never touch a bribe. No. But the people surrounding Galba, they were more than happy to take bribes. Put in a few good words. And whether Galba just turned a blind eye or wasn't aware of this, we mm. don't really know. On the 1st of January, 1969, I'm saying a date. 1969? No, I just automatically put the 19 in. Yeah, 1st of January 1969, they all had a big party, lots of flowers and LSD. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. One last year of the 60s. Right? Yeah, go out on a bang, put on some Beatles. Yeah. Yeah, first Led album. Yeah. Yeah. Early, early David Bowie. Yeah. Rest in peace. It was a good time. Right, I'll try that again. On the 1st of January, 69, yes. uh, two legions in the Rhine refused to swear allegiance. There was a tradition, the first day of the year, all the armies would renew their allegiance to the, yeah. allegiance to the emperor. So these two Rhine legions refused to swear. Ooh. Galbo, at this point, realises that he's actually very unpopular. Only just now. Why do you think he thinks he's unpopular? It's not going to be the obvious reasons. It's something like, uh, because he sent the wrong person there or something. So it's my fault. 
Not quite, although you're not too far off. He thinks he's unpopular because he doesn't have an heir. Okay. He thinks, oh, he can't be the emperor. He's going to die soon and there's no heir and there's just going to be more mess. There's so, some logic behind that. But... <laughs> so Garber has no heir. Hey. No, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll look at the statues later to prove it. Um, <laughs> so, Vinius at this point suggests Otho. Now, we have come across Otho before. Can yeah, you remember? said his name. I can't yeah. remember about him, but I'm going to be... He saying. was Nero's friend. Oh, was he the, par- the party animal? Yeah, he also was a bit of a party animal. Um, but he was the one who married Papaya as a oh, placeholder. Yes, to keep the bed warm. Yes. Yeah, and um, then fell in love with her and then was a bit sad when he had to divorce her. So Nero yeah. could marry her. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Right, so he's still knocking around. And Vinius suggests Otho, mainly because he's Otho's friend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he would. So, but he does point out that Otho was the, one of the first people to declare his support for Galba. Mm. So there are some reasons behind this. It's not just plucked out in the air. Laco and Isilus wanted anyone else but Otho. Those two realise that if Otho's the heir and Vinius and him are friends, there's a good chance that Vinius will end up with all the power as soon as Otho's in charge. Yeah. So there's a bit of power play going on here. And there's also suggested some um, Vinius marrying into Otho's family. Laco and Isilus don't want this to happen, no. so they start suggesting other people to Galba. Yeah. In the end, Galba, showing a bit of initiative, chose himself. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So he ordered a meeting with the three pedagogues and some other select officials. Yeah. And I like to think, although I couldn't find this anywhere, this was the moment he chose to declare that he's decided his heir. It probably would be the way his behaviour is, so the pedagogues didn't even realise their scheming had yeah. failed. So he suddenly um, calls for Piso Fugi Licinius. Piso Fugi Licinius. Fugi. Fugi. Licinius? Licinianus. Sounds painful. Licinianus, I think. Licinianus. that one. Yeah, one of those. He was, and I quote, of noble birth and high character. Yeah? Yeah. Or, hmm. and again, I've got two versions of Suetonius, yeah. so I got the other translation. Excellent. And this one amused me more. <laughs> he was of noble blood. And excellent parts. Oh. Yes. Sounds like um, uh, Galba's father. <laughs> yes. Has a big advantage. He does have a big advantage. A noble advantage. Yes. So there's Piso with his huge advantage. <laughs> and he's called for. And Galba then gives a speech. He says, I, who have been called to the throne by unanimous consent of the gods and men, are moved by your splendid endowments. That's his uh, massive advantage again. And by my own patriotism, to offer you a man of peace, that power which for our ancestors fought, and which I myself obtained by war. I'm following the precedent of the divine Augustus, who placed on an eminence next to his own, first to his nephew Marcellus, and then his son-in-law Agrippa, and afterwards his grandsons, and finally Tiberius Nero, his (laughs) stepson. Now that the family of the Julii and the Claudii have come to an end, adoption will discover the worthiest successor. To be begotten and born of a princely race is a mere accident and is only valued as such. What he's saying there is, let's get rid of this stupid family tree business. Yeah. Why on earth would we get the son to be emperor? The son could be crazy. Let's start choosing our emperors. That's a bit republican, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting that he starts to suggest this. At this time. And he decides, uh, Piso's got an older brother, but Galba decides Piso's the one who should be the heir because he just likes Piso's character so much. So he's just chosen someone. Oh, you'll do. Yeah, exactly. So we've gone far away from the Julia Claudian model here. So he then goes to talk, and this is a tiny scratch of the speech that 
it just went forever. <laughs> and then Suetonius himself says, and then there was more like this. So he, he talks for ages and ages and ages about how brilliant Piso will be. And then Piso apparently went, all right. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I, apparently he, he just took it very calmly, didn't seem too interested, went, yeah, okay, I'll be emperor. Which is probably what Galba saw him in, in, him the, fir- in the first place. Short and to the point. Yeah, he, he doesn't crave the power, therefore he probably would have made a good emperor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see the logic there. But this really annoyed everyone else in the room. Yeah, they you're not he, passionate. Yeah, not passionate. And also, he didn't come across as someone they could manipulate. Oh, So the pe- yeah. pedagogues are going, ah, oh, we need someone who really wants to be the emperor. We need someone. an idiot. Yeah, so they weren't too happy. <laughs> would you be interested in buying a pet rock on a <laughs> leash? <laughs> okay, so he declares his heir, and four days later... He is dead. What? Why? Ah, oh, was he killed? I'm going to go into the details, but four days after declaring the heir, he dies. That's awesome timing, if it was natural. It's not natural. Ah. Oh. <laughs> so as you can probably guess, some people didn't like this choice. No, no I'm guessing not. So, I wonder if Piso survives. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> there was then talk about who um, to tell first, the Senate, the people, or the Praetorian Guard. So they decide... Did the Victorian Guard already know? <laughs> no, no, no one knows. Oh, really? Yeah, just that group in that room. So in, <laughs> a, in an attempt to cheer up the Praetorians, who are all very grumpy at the moment that they've not had any bonuses, they decide to go to the, to the Praetorians first. Yeah. Gal was fine with that. I'm not going to bribe them with money, but I'll show them some respect. I'll go to them first. Yeah. The Praetorians were not impressed. At all. Galvis stands up, gives a very short and boring speech, saying, Piso's now my heir... And then that's it, sits down. He does not mention at all anything to do with the bonus that Nymphidius promised them. And he also doesn't mention the traditional bonus that always comes along when an heir's declared. That's just tradition, oh. and he doesn't mention it. In fact, and I quote, there was no hint of flattery and no mention of a bribe. The first thing you do in his speech is thank you for being here. Yeah, no. Thank you, I appreciate what you're doing. You've got to get you, your audience. Yeah, no, there's none of that. No, no, no eye contact. Was he like fumbling with notes, and also he dropped his notes on the floor as well? Probably, he probably had a PowerPoint and oh. just read off the PowerPoint. Oh no! And I bet it was in Comic Sans on a white background. Yes, as well. yeah, and not even aligned oh. to the centre or anything. No, I bet no. One of the Comic Sans that's too jaunty. That's not Claudius would have used. Times New Roman. Times New Roman. Times New Roman. Yeah, that's all oh, he would have 90s. done. Just, just reading in a monotone voice, and everyone's already read the page. Yeah, it's like yeah. we know. We know. We know what you're about to say. Just, yeah. just we get it. Piso's the emperor, or will be. Just, just yeah. where's our money? No so, slide transitions or anything. Oh, yeah, that's awful. Or just to try and cheer it up, lots of really jaunty tra- slide transitions that take far too long. Oh, and the weird ones that give you a bit of migraine. Yeah, and it's like just, just move on. Move yeah, on. You, you don't need to do this. Yeah. Anyway, so he did that. <laughs> um, Victorian's not impressed at all. Galba then goes to the Senate and the people. This didn't go down much better, but certainly no. better. At this point, more and more reports of a revolt were coming into the city. Oh, and Galba's trying to downplay this, saying it was just a few cohorts causing a bit of trouble. There's, yeah. there's not a huge... I have an heir now, I'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. He says, I've got an heir. We'll send the heir up. The heir can go and sort it all out, just like Drusus and Romanicus did back, back in the day. The Senate decides, should Piso go, possibly? And they, they're <laughs> still deciding, yeah... Let's send Piso, he's the heir. But before any of this can happen, on the 15th of January, Galba was taking part in the sacrifice. Word reached him that a senator was being held as the emperor by the, the Praetorian guards in the Praetorian camp just down the road. Uh, 
so oh so somebody else is saying right you're now the emperor we say so we've got the sharp pointy things yeah completely out of the blue oh someone else has been declared as emperor galba had no idea where this was coming from he wasn't sure whether it was true or not so he sent piso to go and check what was going on I wouldn't send Piso. He's now going to die, isn't he? <laughs> well, Piso didn't go to the camp. He just went and checked the guards that were around them, who were members yeah. of the Praetorian Guard, but weren't in the camp. Shuffle the up, hands in pockets. <clears throat> Hi, guys! Well, what he actually said was, Comrades! Good way to start. Yeah, very Russian. Yeah, get that Russian feel. Comrade. <laughs> yes, he had a Russian accent, did Piso. I can't do one, though, so I'll have to do this in an English That's accent. Fine. That's fine. So, comrades, this is the sixth day since I became a Caesar by adoption. Not knowing what was to happen, whether this title was to be desired or dreaded, it rests with you to determine what will be the result to my family and to the state. We have occasionally heard of legions mutinying against their generals, but your loyalty, your character, stand unimpeached up until this time. No more is offered you for murdering your prince than you will have had if you shun such guilt. So he's basically saying, look, don't do this, guys. But he's, got, he's, got, he's doing better than Galba. Galba will just say, this yeah. is going to happen. He's trying to mm. persuade them. Yeah, he's, he, yeah exactly. He's trying to say, look, you don't need to do this. Think of your honour. The Praetorian Guards have never revolted. No. Apart from Nero. Shh. <laughs> he actually says, it's fine, Nero abandoned you. Yeah, he was yeah. a loser. Yeah, so... He was an actor. Th then there was a bit of a silence. <laughs> so then he adds right at the end... We shall give you a donative for your loyalty, as surely as others can give it to you for your treason. So it just falls back on, we'll bribe you. <laughs> That'd work. Yeah, so, Torians mm, aren't too sure. There was mm. no clear conclusion from this. So some soldiers are staying, some are going. No one really is sure what's going on at this point. Phineas, at this point, said, let's wait it out. Let's just all wait. And everyone else said, no, let's go and face the problem. Yeah. So it was then... Rumour starts to come through that the person revolting is actually Otho. But that's Phineas's friend. Yes, His which BFF. is why Phineas is saying we should wait it out. Uh, There's a suggestion ooh. that Phineas is in on this. I'm interested, what's the new emperor called after Galba? You'll find out at the end. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it was decided to send Piso again. Yeah. Piso must love this job. Yes. You want me to go again to the people with swords to see how much they hate us. Fine. So off he goes. Right and then on the way. some men turned up to tell Galba that Otho was dead. Oh. Yeah. So one man claimed to have um, taken Otho's head personally. So as one soldier came in and said, Don't worry, Galba, I have killed the rebel. I took his head. To which Galba replied, Who gave you such an order? Oh, that's a military man speaking there. Oh, yeah, he's such a stickler for the rules, Thanks isn't he? Thanks for a favour, but yeah. I didn't give that order. Yeah, I didn't ask you to do that. Why are you doing that? So oh. Galba went forth into the forum to speak to the people. Everything's looking quite good. Mm. But then more rumours. Oh, rumours. Otho is still alive. Alive. He's alive. alive. Some people then advised that the Emperor should return to the palace, but it was too late. A group of men on horses stormed the forum. Ah, oh, horses. The man holding Galba's standard threw it to the ground, and men started to, to desert. Oh, wow. Galba's litter was knocked onto the floor, spilling Galba out. He never stood up again, because he looked up to see a man with a sword, offered him his neck and said, Do your work and strike, as you have come for it. Or he begged for his life. It depends which source you read. I like to think the first one. I like to think the first one. He doesn't seem like the type that would beg no, for his so life. No, go on then. Go on then, do it. But first, who gave this order? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's fine, because he said he can do it. He can now do yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah go that's on, true. do it. Yeah. Yes, sir. 
The man chopped his head off. He was then dismembered on the spot. Ooh. Arms, legs, everything hacked to pieces. The head was then taken to Otho, who was indeed very much alive still, who gave it to the soldiers for sport. They played football with That's his head. That's a weird, sick game of football, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Piso, meanwhile, was chased into a temple and butchered. Um. No sanctuary back then. The Praetorians then declare Otho as the emperor. So we've got Emperor Otho. And that will be next week. Wow. That's very dramatic. A lot of big things happening. <laughs> yeah, well, considering he wasn't around for very long. Yeah. Um, now, usually when you hear this story, you hear what's happening with Otho, because it just mm. suddenly seems out of the blue here, doesn't yeah. it? Otho suddenly turns up. Yeah. But that is how I think it would have been for Galba. Because yeah. Yeah. He, he was what's just the... getting along, and then suddenly, well, when you see Otho's side next week, it will make a bit more sense. I'm guessing a lot of political manoeuvring. Oh, yeah. So, but first, we need to rate Galba and see how he fares under our categories. Fightiest Maximus, number one. Let's go! Fightiest Maximus! Fightiest Maximus, right. Pre-Emperor, good things. He was very strict. He got hmm. results. Yeah, and people like results. When he was up in Germany, he sorted the legions out. They were all a bit of a shambles. Yeah. He fought lots of Germanic tribes. Yes, he did. He kept the line up the Rhine, <laughs> which rhymes. <laughs> yeah, so no great invasions or anything, but... No. Yeah. But he knew what to do to yeah. keep an army secure. He didn't need to invade. He no, was he trying to, he's trying to sort out all the problems at home, I guess. Exactly, yeah. Um, he was part of the invasion, albeit briefly, of the British invasion. So he's got the experience as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Claudius calls upon him, and Caligula both put him in charge of lots of troops. They regard him very highly. That, I mean, that, that's... Yeah, I mean, the fact Claudius regards anyone highly is quite good. And Cla Caligula. Caligula, sorry, yes. yeah. The fact that Caligula, think, uh, Caligula thought, wow, that's actually, I respect him. Yeah, this is further sign of the Caligula's an evil genius theory. Mm. That actually, he was sane enough to realise that some good people in, yeah. on the Rhine was actually a good idea. I'm pretty convinced Caligula was, was very sane. Yeah, I think so. I don't think yeah. he was insane at all. I think he was just... But that's for a evil. previous episode. That is for a previous episode. So, Galba does well there. And when he was the emperor, he did raise an army. He took mm -hmm. it to Rome. And he, for the first time in this series, became the emperor because of a coup. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, coup result. He's got to get points for that. Yeah, cooey. Yeah. Um, so bad. Mm. Uh, he wasn't... Liked. <laughs> wasn't very well liked by troops at all. In fact, one of the main reasons why the Rhine legions were revolting is because they hated Galba personally. Too they, harsh. Because when Galba was in Germania, he treated them so harshly when he left... Those legions, although it wouldn't have been exactly the same soldiers, their legions had a collective memory of how horrible yeah. Galba was that were passed down. So <laughs> a couple of decades later, when he becomes the emperor, those legions hate Galba. It's kind of like you get the old soldier sitting in the corner of a tent going, Oh, back in my day. Yeah, exactly. He had, he had what's his face around here? He was right nasty, he was. He would decimated the army. We didn't, but he, he might, didn't. he did it later on. He might do it in future. Yeah. Yeah. He made made us polish our polish our sandals. Can we see our face in them? Yeah. So he was not liked at all. He perhaps should have been a bit more politically savvy with his mm. legions. But at the same time, the strictness did also pull the army into shape when needed. So no huge big battles no. this time. But he was clearly a better military man than Nero and Claudius and Caligula. And Caligula. In fact, it's not since Tiberius have we seen someone who actually gets involved in yeah. armies. So, 
I don't know. What do you think? Well, he reminds me of um, if you've ever watched Blackadder series three, you yeah. get um, Stephen Fry who does the uh, Wellington. Yes. That big shouty loud army. He reminds me a little bit of that. Hmm. Um, he, I mean, he's got to have big points in terms of the fact he's an army guy. He could lead an army. He could be fighty if he needed to. Because when he was, he did it really well. Yeah. He struggled with the political aspects of it. Yes, he did, didn't he? But does that count towards fighters Maximus? Well, I guess it we, does, because you've got to keep him happy. We did talk about... Victoria Guard as well. We also talked about Tiberius' pol- Tiberius's political fighting, if you remember. We did give yes, him some of that. It that's wasn't true. just battles. So, um, mm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking around sort of the five, probably four... <sighs> See, remember, you were trying to... In fact, I think you did give Nero five last week. Oh, But then there were a couple of big battles, but he didn't do it personally. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Okay, I'm giving five for different reasons in terms of the experience. I'm going to go one higher. I'm going to go for six. So that is a total of 11 for Fatius Maximus, which puts him joint with Claudius. Yeah. Also joint third place so far for that round. That's not bad. That's not bad. Ooh, which reminds me... We didn't give Nero's total at the end of last week. We didn't. We'll do that, in we the did that at the end of this episode, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Approbium so. crazium. Approbium crazium. So for bad slash crazy. <laughs> he was very strict, as we've already saw. That's going to mean everything is... <laughs> <laughs> yes. One day, a soldier in his army sold off his ration of corn and wheat hmm. for a bit of extra cash. Thinking, that's fine, I'll just scrounge off other people. Yeah. Yeah. Gabba heard of this. And gave the order that no one was to give him any food when he ran out. So the man slowly starved to death. Ooh, imagine your friends, you just watched him there as well. So please yeah. go over the grain. I can't. It's, it's right up until the end, I think that's brilliant. Until the, he starved to death. When I, he didn't need to. Make the point. Maybe make him go hungry for a few days and yeah. go, I could have killed you then. Beat him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to do that. But to actually starve him to death. For what essentially is a first offence. But I bet no one else did that. <laughs> but like you say, I bet no one else did that. So he was very strict. When he was in retirement under Nero, he never left his house without a million sesterces in a cart behind him. Galba? Yeah. Why? Well, exactly why? What do you think? Just a show? No, it wasn't to show off. Not, not as a show off, just to show that he's got this or... Um, no, I don't think give so. it away. That we don't know for certain. There was a couple of theories I came up with. One was um, he feared assassination. So he figured if someone came to assassinate him, he could say, well, look, I've got all this money. I'll pay you not to kill me. Fair enough. I yeah. wouldn't if you gave me that. Yeah. Although you could just kill him and take it and then go and get paid for the assassination as well. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, so maybe you just do that. But the other theory is it's so he could leave the country at short notice. <laughs> Get away. Yeah, so halfway through the, um, a play at the theatre, it's like, oh, actually, I need to leave the country. Let's go. See, what he's not taking into account is the he needs to change his currency. He does. He didn't think about that. And there's often very long queues at the post office. Yeah, this is before the euro came in, so... Yes. Yeah, you've got to change yeah. every time you go places. To, to drachma, to go yeah. back to Greece, or to whatever else the country's used. <laughs> Deutschmarks for Germany. Deutschmarks. Oh, Franks. And Franks, yeah. Yeah, into Gaul. Yeah, so... Yeah, that was silly him. Um, That's why he's crazy. Okay, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, when he was in Spain, a man was accused of forgery. Ooh. Yeah, so he had the man's hands chopped off. That's quite a common thing there for theft, isn't it? That was a fairly common thing. He then oh. nailed them to his workbench <laughs> oh. as a lesson to his colleagues. Oh, yeah, that's that's not... So there yeah. you are, you're going to work and you just 
Go on. Just do this bit of paperwork. Oh, good God, what is that? <laughs> oh, the blood, the blood. <laughs> Steve? Steve, are those your hands? Yeah. Okay. Then there are three more things, and Suetonius lists these right, right towards the end of his part on Galba. He says, the following ridiculous stories are also told of him. Hmm. But whether truly or falsely, I know not. Ooh, okay. So these are completely ridiculous, according to, to Suetonius. Right. When a large supper was served up, he would give out a groan. What a monster. Yeah. What a mon- What an absolute monster. Why? Why? Just, yeah. He wasn't a glutton. Beast. Crazy. Beastly behaviour. Crazy. When, I've not finished, when a flute player pleased him, he gave the man five denarii. <gasps> From his own purse. What? With his own hand. Oh my goodness. Now, I don't know whether the five denarii thing's meant to be shocking, because it's quite hard to get the how much things were. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. that was an insulting amount for some reason. But I get more the feeling it's the idea of the emperor using his own money and yeah. paying it himself as being some Well, that's all he's used thing. to, isn't he? He grew up well, yeah. being a normal guy, so... Yeah. Wow. Right. And then finally, when his steward gave him a list of the accounts that day, Gauber gave the man a bowl of beans as a thank you. I can't believe him. I can't bowl of what a ridiculous. It's just just crazy. Absolutely isn't it? mental. Yeah. So that that according to Suetonius are the, the ridiculous stories. This is just after he's <laughs> talked about the um hand cutting off. Yeah. And the starving the man to death. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. That's so, what you expect. Good sane. He was very clearly a very sane man. Yeah, he doesn't come across as insane. He's just, just very strict. Yeah, he was very strict. We keep that, using that word. That's what he was. He was yeah. strict. He was a strict accountant. Or maybe an old head teacher. Maybe that's what he's more like. A head teacher from like the 50s or 60s. Yeah, with know. a cane. Oh, yeah. With a blade on it to chop people's hands off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I... It's less of the crazy and more the opprobrium. People yeah. weren't too happy with him. He did laws that people weren't too pleased with. Um, so but I mean, are... that was only right at the end. Tacitus says, it's a famous quote, that everyone thought he would make a brilliant emperor until he actually became one. <laughs> so yeah. he just messed it up right at the end. Yeah. But he was old as well. He was old, old, he was. And he was being led by his three pedagogues at that point as well, so... I, I, I want to give him five in the sense that he's not crazy, but just too strict. He was stricter than he needs to be. Ah, but it's times, though. It's like you said yourself. Forgery, uh, yes. cut his hands off. That's fairly normal. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of like, the army thing as well, like the guy's starving to death. and mm. oh, He did decimate as well, don't yeah. yeah. He did that. And, and he carried the one million sesterces around with him. He's very That's strict. He's very, very strict. And he didn't pay people. He just played by his own rules. Yeah. But that got him killed. That's not crazy or... It's just stupid. Yeah. But he, he did cause a program, so... Mm, I don't know. I don't think I can go as high as five. I think I'm only going to go for three. Okay, I'll go for you, four. I'll bring it down to four. four. You're coming down a bit. Okay. okay. So it's so, seven. Seven, which puts him on par with Augustus as yeah. our least crazy emperor. That's probably about yeah. right, actually. I, I agree works. with that. Yeah. 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 Okay. okay, next. Success Ultimus. How successful was he? He was, by all accounts, very strict. <laughs> was he? <laughs> but fair. And because of this, he was a very good governor of the provinces he ruled. So this is before being an emperor, but it sounds like he did a very good job all his life at mm. anything he put his hand to. He wasn't phenomenal, 
No. But he got the job done. He was reliable. Yeah. Yeah. So he's basically sat in that element, definitely. Mm. When he became the emperor, he failed miserably. He failed to rule for more than a year. He was short-sighted. He was unfailingly strict. That's what got him killed. <laughs> too, he's too. He's stuck in a rut. He's too unwavering. Yeah, he's not flexible enough. Yes, that's what happens that's when he's old. The arthritis kicks in. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So it's not great. There is one little story I did promise oh, elephants. Yes. Right. As a young man, when he was in charge of the games, so this is early on in his career, he showed the people things that they had never seen before. Mm. Not his father's huge advantage. No. No. But elephants on a tightrope. How, how do you get elephants on a tightrope? Apparently, you've got elephants walking on ropes. That's very strict. <laughs> yeah, that is very strict. <laughs> this is it. Goodness he obviously me. had experience when he was going over to Britain of those elephants, of, of elephants before. Yeah. Yeah, so... Wow. Not that he would have trained these himself, no, obviously. No, no, no. no. He, he organised the games in which these elephants were, so there you go. So he organised some games. I could almost imagine him doing half a smile when those elephants were performing. Not at the elephants, no. but at himself a job well done. I, I imagine doing a little turn and going, it should be walk, walk, pirouette, then step back. Not walk, walk, then step back, pirouette. You stupid elephants. That's probably what he was like. Probably. Yeah, yeah. got his cane out. Thinking that though, he wouldn't say it. Oh no, no. It's all internal. Thoughts, yeah. Internal rage. Yeah. But on the outside, just black face. Yeah. Just his little pencil moustache twitching. Who else had a pencil moustache? It was Sir Janus, wasn't it? He had one. Yes. Janus. But he had it more in an evil villain kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, okay, so um, he was very successful until he became the Emperor. <laughs> he was awful. So in the past, haven't we? We've judged people on like the, what they did prior. Or, or yeah, yeah, we have. We, we've looked at their life, them as a person, but I think we've, we've waited more on him being an Emperor. So I think, although I don't think we can give him too much. We can give him a bit of credit for being good before being an emperor, but let's face it, he only lasted a few months yeah. because he was just so rubbish at being an emperor. Two and a half. Oh, you're breaking into the, uh, away from the integers. I, do you want me to keep it? I can round it up to three. I'm happy to round it up to three. Yeah. I, you can if you want. We just haven't done it before, that's all. I'm not, I'm not being confident enough to do that. I'll give him three. Are you going for three? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I was wavering between two and three myself, so I'll go for two. And that. Two, yeah. Yeah, okay. Five. So that gives him a five for successus ultimus, which makes him, apart from Tiberius, oh no, and Caligula. <laughs> I put him back in the middle. All right. Yeah. Middle. He, seems, he seems like a middly kind of emperor. He does. He does, which probably um, gives you a suggestion of where we're going at the end. Yeah. Right. Okay. Next round. Image of, Image of face. Well, I think he's going to do quite well here. <laughs> because... I imagine him looking old and angry. And there he is. Oh, that's scary how angry he looks. <laughs> there oh he my is, goodness. looking old and angry. <laughs> well, in the first one, he's got hair and that little fringe thing. But look at that frown and the anger. Yeah. And the wrinkles and the anger. I think he, that might have been carved whilst he was watching those elephants not perform well enough. That could be him. Yeah, but that's what? not a statue. That's just what he looked like. <laughs> Very stony face. Yes. Yeah. Old stone face. Yeah. So one on the left, he's got that hair, but on the right, uh, no yeah, hair. No that's hair interesting. See, I, I think the first one may have been propagandary. Yes, probably. Making him look um, slightly more youthful than the second yes. one. But he does look an old man, though, doesn't he? Because as Suetonius says himself, he was of average height and very bald. 
with blue eyes and a hooked nose. His hands and feet were so distorted by gout, he could not endure a shoe for long, unroll a book, or even hold one. The flesh on his right side, too, had grown out and hung down to such an extent that it could, with difficulty, be held in place by a bandage. Wow. So his face was melting, <laughs> and he couldn't use his hands or his feet anymore because of gout. Wow. Yeah, which doesn't really show. Well, it does sort of in the in the first statue. He's got jowls, hasn't he? He's very jowly there. Like my dog. Yeah. So, um, um, I mean, he looks exactly like he should. That's a 10, just for that's what he would look like. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can do a full 10. That, uh, no, I, that I mean... That would be perfect. I want to go for, like, an eight and a half. So you are breaking into... Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll go for an eight. You're going for an eight. That's I, an impressive eight. I'm going to go for an eight as well. It is impressive. It is. It is. So this round we divide by four, yep. so it's not too highly weighted. That's easy. 16 divided by four. Is... Get the calculator back out. Is four. Brilliant. It's one of these days we're actually going to have a tricky one. Yeah. Um, right, <laughs> okay, so that that's not bad for Imagofacious. I think that might be the highest so far. Oh, no, Augustus just beat him. He yeah, got 4.25. He, he has a kindly face, he? He did, yeah. So, but well done for looking like the miserable old man you were, Galbert. <laughs> Okay, last round. Temple completed. But he's not doing well here. I, I'm imagining 0, 0.0 or something. He rolled from June 68 to January 69. That was a total of seven months. That's being generous, rounding up. So seven months. He didn't have time to unpack. No. He's probably getting all his stuff back into the, like, the castle where he lived. Well, considering a fair chunk of that was him going through Spain and Gaul. Mm, yeah. He didn't spend much time in Rome at all. They killed him off. So, hi guys. Yeah, so if you put that through our calculator, that is a score of 0.07. I said it'd be 0.0, didn't I? Awful score. That was so low, I had to go and double check my calculations twice (laughs) that I messed something up. The calculator's wrong. Yeah, so there you go. That is. Tempo. that's, That's just embarrassingly bad. So, that is Galbell, which gives him a total score of 26.07. It's not great. Not great. It's not great. It's not our lowest, though. Really? No. Caligula. Caligula only scored 25.73. Mm. So just, just, just beat like zero. It's like yeah, point three something. Three tenths off. So Galba's just pipped Caligula mm. to the post of not being our worst emperor so far. Um, which reminds me, let's do it now since we're talking about totals. Nero, we didn't do his total no. last week. Um, he scored 31.69. 31.69. Which puts him in fourth place. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, out of six. We'll, we'll do a ranking at some point of the actual rankings. Yes, yeah. We're, we're, maybe when mm. we get to age 10, we'll, we'll remind the yeah. audience who's where. Right, okay, we've got one more round. Because just because he's our second lowest scorer and he only lasted yeah. seven months and we've already described him as mediocre, yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean... That he's no. not got a certain Gene César. No, we need to discuss this. So has he? Do they have a certain Gene César? No. 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 It's it's not much up to debate this no, one, is it? not at all. I'm, I'm scared if we put him in the Colosseum with Augustus and Caligula. He wouldn't be able to control Caligula in this straight jacket. And he'd terrify poor Augustus. Yeah. He's already a bit worried already. Yeah, Augustus, remember, was eternally young. He never aged because of the statues. That's true. So Galba would act like an old head teacher. Mm. And, oh, that's not what you want, is it? Stand up straight! 
Yeah. <laughs> and I just imagine Caligula would just kill him within seconds. Yeah. Because he didn't like him. I imagine not, actually. I just imagine every time Galba slept, Caligula would just sit over him and <laughs> in the dark, <laughs> <Yeah>. staring. <laughs> Probably. Right, okay, so no Genesis Cesar this no week way. again. Oh, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been Caligula a while. was the last one. That was a but we now have three more emperors in this crazy year coming up so Brilliant. we know the next one emperor otho otho, otho. yes otho. the other emperor the third one was mentioned today is he one of his friends is it vicinity vicinity i've forgotten his name well, phineas no it's none oh. of the pedagogues they no. don't make it they is are... it Sorry, I forgot to say in the main thing, all three of the pedagogues are killed very shortly afterwards. Yes. Well, who did you get? Who do you think? Vitellius, who went to Gaul. Well done. Yes. The utterly useless man. Yeah, oh dear. <laughs> I yeah. can see why he didn't last long. No, but so there you go. And you remembered the other day, uh, the last episode, that Vespasian was one of them as well. So you now oh, really? know the names oh. of all of them. Oh, had you forgotten that? Yeah, you, you picked him out. In the oh, last good. episode, saying, "Oh, I recognise that name." Yes. Oh, so brilliant. So we've got Otho next week. Then we'll yep. have Vitellius, and then yep. Vespasian. Excellent. Okay, right. So before we go, a couple of thank yous. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I would say thank you to um, Eric D. I think it's Dean. But anyways, he's, he had a move. I think this week or last week. He's listening to it now. He moves. He's in Baltimore in the US. Yes. And he said he's enjoying listening to our podcast, which is very nice. Oh. Very nice message. Thank you, Eric. That is nice. He also suggested that. We watched The Wire, which I've already seen, and is brilliant. Yes, yeah. And you haven't, so you should. No, no. Yeah. I will. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank also Empty Bottle Studio Historical Videos on YouTube. Check them out. They're, they're good. Um, um, the Emperor's Report Card series, pretty good. I like yeah. it. Okay. Entertaining. Remember, it's a two-dimensional podcast. Yes. Visual and audio. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as per usual, thank you to Life of Caesar and obviously the Rex Factor, who continue to give us support mm -hmm. okay then right i also want to rec recommend the um lj trafford book he's got a book called galba's men yes due out very shortly isn't yeah, it probably even well by the time this comes out it'll be out yes um so uh you know if you're interested if it sparked your interest or you want to learn the real stories and the real history please read it yes if you yeah you'll probably find out most of what we've said is utter rubbish today you might even find out when the sons and the wife died yes 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 not well, just randomly put into the story that's made it up i because um he did contact us and say the interest to see what we thought of galba yeah boring i've got a horrible feeling that <laughs> he won't be too impressed <laughs> our decision that he is only marginally better than caligula <laughs> yeah um, I, but, but he's going to go into a lot more detail though i feel yes and there's probably. a lot lot more than we ever will yes <laughs> until we read his book Definitely. thank you okay right yeah well see you next week and thank you for listening disappointing advantage? Is it sad, droopy? Try New Vindex! A wonderful new solution for your droopy advantage. New Vindex. Whacking it out since 43 BC. Savinius was, according to Suetonius, a man of unbounded covetousness. A man of unbounded... Of unbounded covetousness. Ness. <laughs>
So he wanted things. Yes, he, he wanted things. He thinks that's mine. Covetousness. Covet. Covet. Unbounded. Covetousness. Unbounded covetousness. Covetousness. <laughs> covetousness. Yeah. Unbounded covetousness. Right, don't delete that. Keep that in the episode. That's hilarious. <laughs> Could not say that word. Covetousness. Right. Say again. Covetousness. No, Covet. Covet. Covetousness. Covetousness. There we go. Right. <laughs> I might keep some of that in. <laughs> Rather than just a full two minutes of me trying to say one. Covetousness. Right.